Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Star Trek Rewatch podcast by Nerdific.com, the podcast where we're going through the entire Star Trek catalog, starting at the beginning of the timeline. Uh, we're starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today, we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 9, called Civilization. My name is Gabe. I'm here with Jason. What's going on, Jason? How are you doing, Joe Lantru, buddy? Doing well, man. This episode, in keeping with the trend of recent episodes we've reviewed, is not uh, written or directed by Brandon Braga or Rick Berman. It was written by Phil Strong, Michael Sussman, directed by Mike Vehar. And, uh, you know, these people are people who uh, have made a name for themselves in the Star Trek world, uh, you know, directing and writing other episodes. But nothing really of note with them this time. Um, but I did want to point out that uh, I think maybe from here on out, Brandon Braga and Rick Berman are going to be taking more of a backseat sort of producer role. Which is fine, you know? Yeah. I trust their ability to select the right people to carry out this show. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that they handed it off to other people so early in the first season. Because you usually have your main producer and showrunner um, kind of be more a little bit more involved for the first season. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. Right. And, you know, just because their names aren't in the credits, maybe they really kind of uh, had their hands in it and, and were... Um, really directing the ship and who knows who knows what was going on and it's also possible that they worked so hard on those first five or six episodes that they're like they're like okay we need someone else to uh to um take uh, some of the burden here so yeah i i also forget that um the last what couple of seasons of voyager is you know back in the day still going on at this time so they probably have their hands on voyager Mm-hmm. And maybe the last couple of seasons of Deep Space Nine, or was Deep Space Nine over by this point? It does matter, but yeah. Okay, well, yeah. So this this episode aired uh, in November two thousand one. Does that answer? Oh right, yes. Okay, so Voyager's still going on, but Deep Space Nine is over. Oh okay. I you know I didn't even know Voyager was still going on while this was going on. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Man, that must have been a hell of a time to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. There was a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's get into the plot, okay? Yeah. So the Enterprise locates a planet that... Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, universe end date. We finally got one again. Um, it's July 31st, uh, 21... Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, July 31st, 2151. Thank you. Yeah, you know, so uh, at the end of the episode... I love the universe in dates. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, well, I do too, after you pointed that out to me. So the, I know that Archer said that at the la- at the end of the episode. Did he also say at the beginning? The um, uh, Yeah, I, I believe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he said it in the beginning. Okay. Well, okay, so they locate a planet, and um, early on there, they call it a Minshara class. Um, mm-hmm planet which as we class yeah as we learned from a, a, a previous episode um that was something 
previously in the Star Trek lore, they referred to these planets that are Earth-like as M-class, but we never knew what that meant until this show. Now we know what it means. Um, and so they do their typical thing and they scan for life forms. They see a ton of life, like 500 million life forms. Mm -hmm. uh, so they start to do some like scans um, of, of the surface and they see like a boat and they see some civilization. And so they, um, they, you know, of course, to Paul is wants to exercise caution. She says it's protocol to not make contact with civilizations um, who have not achieved warp speed travel. And because they can tell when they're scanning the surface that this civilization is relatively primitive mm -hmm. and they can see from their technology that they're, they're kind of like earth, like was hundreds of years ago. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And um, just very kind of basic technology and, and no like telecommunications. Pre-industrial. Pre-industrial, I think is a pretty good word for it, right? Perfect. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Pre-industrial. So that is an awesome lore point that they um, th like, you know, the Vulcan protocol, which I would imagine uh, all the other civilizations would have adopted is to not make first contact with a civilization until they um, have come up mm -hmm, with warp speed. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome because um, I think it was the in the pilot, maybe part two, Jason, I had pointed out that I thought it was somewhat of a plot hole that, you, you know, in, the, in that moment in time, the Klingons and the Solobon just happened to kind of like take their fight to Earth. And I was like, well, if they've been out there all along, why has that not happened yet? Why? Why is that just now happening? Was it just pure coincidence? But turns out that probably these civilizations have been avoiding Earth because Earth, up until a certain point, hadn't come up with warp speed travel. And the protocol was not to make contact. Yeah, probably. And so, uh, and that doesn't mean that they weren't coming to visit the solar system and make observations. And thus we have this like, in-universe Star Trek um, explanation for, for sort of alien sightings uh, in, in our universe, which I thought was a really cool tie-in. Like, like the alien sightings that are reported are actually these, uh, you know, visitors who are following this protocol. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. and, and then they take it even further. They say... We uh, were too primitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We didn't have warp speed and, you know. Yeah. So, and and then, so she also says uh, they should land somewhere remote, like a cornfield. Obviously, yep. that's another sort of tie into this idea that aliens that we're seeing now are not, like, here to harm us. They're just kind of sneaking around because they, <sighs> they want to hang out, but they're not, they're, like, not allowed to, like, talk to us yet or something. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The interesting thing, though, Gabe, uh, mm -hmm. buddy, uh, is that they discover that among this pre-industrial humanoid civilization mm -hmm. exists a pocket, I guess, of technology, um, or they discover that there's um, warp-capable species hidden among that uh pre-industrialized humanoid civilization so that's what piques mm -hmm. their interest 
Right. So Ensign um, Sato is sort of scanning the, the language he's picking up from the surface, and she can tell that. So the people who live there, the pre-industrial ones, are called Akali. Akali. But, yeah, but they're they're seeing that, like you said, there's this like focal point of uh, sort of emitting this like kind of radiation um, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. There's no way this pre-industrial society would have this like reactor emitting this radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they. This. Oh, is, you might you you gave a little bit away there. Well. <laughs> This is this is further because um, so Archer makes a good point. He says, you know, we're on this mission. They sent us out here. They didn't send a bunch of like probes and satellites and robots. Yeah, I agree. They sent a bunch of humans out. So like you know, to, to Paul's saying not to go down, but Archer's like, our mission is to go down there and do this. Yeah. Um, and so that that gives them this sort of impetus to to go to go down there. And then, as you said, they're picking up this weird, um, you know, technology that doesn't make sense. So, so I think that probably even further pushes to pull over the edge to decide. Okay, yeah, we should go down there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in in the I think I think in the end, I think you're right. I think that is what pushes, or that's what pushes to pull in that direction with the rest of the crew to go down and investigate what the heck is going on. Right. But, you know, they go down there. Like, so she says, let's pick a cornfield. So they're, they're going full on alien here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They get disguised. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And so flocks actually applies like uh, makeup disguises to them. So they look like these Akali, which really just means they have these kind of lines in their foreheads. Uh, and, you know, they kind of, wear uh clothing that's uh sort of matches the collie mm-hmm. down there and so they go down and they're just sort of walking so they amongst is, the city uh yeah. archer tucker to paul and sato right mm-hmm. and they're walking around a city and um they notice uh sato notices some people who look sick um, and they make their way to the source of this like energy field that they picked up from yeah. uh, f- from orbit, um, and they find out that it's like a antique shop. But it's an antique shop. I wanted to go antiquing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they quickly discover that you know because what they want to do is like go in and like snoop around, but they can't. There's some sort of like force field on the door. The force field is apparently impenetrable. They can't get through yeah, it. Yeah, it's guarded. Yeah. And so uh, they don't really know what to do. But like as they're snooping around, this lady, who is actually a doctor herself, uh, yep. comes and sort of sneaks up on them and is like, what are you doing? And like, I've been watching this this area. And she, she thinks that they're one of the bad guys. And so basically her hypothesis is that whatever's going on there is making everybody sick. Yeah, she's accusing them, the Enterprise crew, mm-hmm. of being the source of the disease. Right. But Archer Archer basically um, talks to her and explains, like, um, well, f- first to Paul shoots her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because she actually did, cut, like, kind of sneak up on Archer and, and Tucker, I believe, with, with some sort of gun. 
And uh, then, it was a crossbow. It was like a loaded crossbow, if I remember. That's right, yeah. To Paul, it's a loaded crossbow. To Paul shoots her on... And stuns her. Stuns her. Stuns her, yeah. to, you know, to Paul's credit. Right. <laughs> Didn't James Bonder... Right. Um, kill her and ask questions later. Right. Stuns her. And, and I have to say, Jason, so in this episode, to Paul um, has a, an aggressive streak... Uh, that, she does. This was the first one. Later on, That's right. we'll talk You're about right, the second buddy. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't let me for um, don't let me forget. Like, I, sure. I want to I want to expound on on that. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, so anyway, so once she wakes up, then Archer kind of explains like, hey, you know, we're we're here to check things out too. Like, um, can you tell me more? And so Archer develops uh, for, first just a, a good rapport with this lady mm-hmm. um he he gains her trust um they they are able to to communicate well and so jason here's one thing that the second plot hole ish type thing that okay, i had yeah. that, that i had brought up um with the zerillians um with that episode where mm-hmm. where i was asking is this a plot hole that that Tucker is able to just board this Zerillion ship and automatically start conversing with these people. And I think you and I ultimately speculated, or, or maybe I did, and you were just going along because you didn't want to spoil uh, spoil a future episode, um, that perhaps these people are so smart that they're able to just learn the English language super quick. You know, because we see Sato do something similar with languages, so perhaps... yeah. Perhaps in like you you know whatever time uh, lapses between when they first contact and when they actually start mm-hmm. talking, maybe they're learning English, and that's that explains why uh, you know some some group who's never met humans speaks their language. Um, <clears throat> yep. Um, and, and obviously, in the real reason that this happens is because they don't want to write a bunch of alien language. <laughs> every episode yeah. but also be boring right boring yeah. for us audience members to read a bunch of uh subtitles, to read subtitles? yeah are we what are we supposed to be watching japanese manga yeah, yeah right <laughs> subbed or dubbed <laughs> so so that was the explanation i was i was fine with our explanation like because obviously there's like a you know uh, a level of intelligence that would go along with these like engineers who are flying around in space yeah. so people are obviously brilliant maybe it's not out of the question and besides they're you know otherworldly so who knows what they're capable of so i'm like yeah maybe they're just <clears throat> able to just like almost instantly learn english but turns out that there is a universal translator yes there is it's a piece of technology that is like in their pocket that's doing something yes there is and the episode doesn't really explain what it does, Jason. But it is, I th- what we are perceiving on the screen is what the characters are perceiving, even if um, somebody else, like maybe in the room or maybe someone with some distance, wouldn't observe the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the um, the translator is either doing something to their brainwaves, or there's like an earpiece, or or maybe it has some sort of uh, parabolic sort of like speaker that's like pointing the sound like at their eardrum or something, because Archer and this this doctor lady are like conversing 
and as if they're speaking English. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. And then at one point, um, she stops speaking English and she starts speaking her na- native Akali yes. tongue. Yes. And Archer's like Archer um, distracts her by like kissing her. Has this like passionate kiss with with her, and like and then hugs her and then look, looks over her shoulder, pulls out the translator and like um, you know adjusts the settings, and then all of a sudden they're able to converse again. Yeah. And so, but they don't explain like what's going on unless I missed it. Did they explain exactly what's no, going on there? No. No. Okay. No. Well, there's something going on with this translator. It's either doing something to people's brainwaves so that they think they're hearing something they aren't and also probably seeing lips moving in ways they aren't. Right. Or there's some kind of earpieces involved, but I don't know how that would explain the person who doesn't have the translator. So, like I said, maybe it's pointing sound waves at their ear and like there's some kind of crazy technology that overrides like what someone is saying and shoots sound into like yeah the listener's ear that's like the best i can come up with i don't know so if i'm missing something um i don't ever remember them uh, them i mean being star trek creators um ever having fully explained how the personal universal translator actually works okay um I've always just said it's a guffin to kind of... If they use it, they use it to move the storyline forward. Mm. Um, or make it seem real to make... When it's usually used, it's usually on the ship. And it's, you know, as hailing frequencies to an unknown alien species to make it really, really alien. And really, really make it foreign to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, us viewers. But yeah. I, unless... And I'm sure someone out there is going to tell us... Okay. You know, oh, you know, in episode 14 or whatever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, 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 you know, um, mm. the original series, they, you know, explained how they use it or whatever. <laughs> well, well, I have to say, so these two, I was excited to talk about these two plot holes that, have, yeah. that mm-hmm. have now been closed. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Because sure. this show is, like, really airtight. Ex- yeah. except up until this point those two plot holes and now those yeah. have been closed and now i don't think i i know of any plot holes to like track all along so sure that's exciting stuff man and i think it just shows like how much thought and planning goes into this and, and her name is rian yes it is the, the, yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and but so you know and this show is in a unique position because it kind of has to address the origin story of a lot of this stuff yes yes so um i just think it's cool that they somewhat address this kind of origin story origin of how people are allowed or are able to talk to each other without without having to learn each other's languages uh I'm sure that Sato had to like program the translator, like, you know, what I mean, when they were up there and she was scanning and listening, I'm sure she had yeah. to come up with like the translation matrix and put it into the translator. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, they don't all have to have to actually learn the language. So, anyway, you gonna say something there? Yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's kind of like when George Lucas made the prequels. And then, you know, yeah. Clone Wars, the animated series. <laughs> oh, boy. 
You're not going to derail this to get me going on that. We're getting off. We're getting off. We're yeah. getting off. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to share my thoughts on, on the prequels right now. <laughs> All right, buddy. So, so they... You know, there's a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. with, with Archer and Rion, but the gist of it is that she's trying to figure out what's making people sick. Archer yes. and company are trying to figure out what this energy field is. Sato also saw some people are sick, and now everybody kind of agrees that whatever this energy source is, it's making people sick. Yeah, so, and they find it at the bookshop, because or the antique shop, excuse me. Right. Because even Rion, uh, in the dialogue in the scene rather makes inference and says something to the effect of you know when this shop opened two months ago people started getting sick right so she started putting the uh, connecting the dots together right and then there's two things that happen i don't know what order they happened in um but one is they take a sample of the water and flox analyzes it and he finds this like industrial lubricant that is yes. is known to make people sick and then yes. they, they ask Flox. They say, um, uh, they, "They say if there was, if this was sort of, you know, in, in the groundwater, could it make uh, a bunch of people sick?" He said, "Absolutely, yeah. If there's enough of it, yeah." Um, and then also they go into the antique shop, Tucker and uh, Archer, while the shop is open, and they they have a little scan. They can tell if somebody's DNA matches. Uh, the Akali. Yes. And they, they scan the owner of the shop. They can tell so he's not Akali. So those kind of happen simultaneously. Um, okay. Because it, 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 it cuts from talking to the shop owner, Garros? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and then they take the... Um, and, then they, and then they cut, and they're also taking uh, the sample, uh, the water sample. Right. Okay. So, yeah, we find out that Garros is actually a Malorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not from there. And he's nope. he's basically in disguise as well, just like yes. our Archer and company are. Uh, he's pretending to be a Kali, and he's doing something mysterious behind this door, and um, they can't figure out how to get through this door. Uh, one thing, Jason, I, I just want to take two steps back. Um, mm-hmm, sure. Uh, because we need to do our, our character analysis. Yes. Um, and so every episode, uh, we go through a, a different character. to Just like, usually we just say who the actor was. Um, and then usually th- throughout the episode, we can talk about them a bit. But, um, and you know, we have gone through, in my mind, the sort of core, the main cast um, of the humans. But we haven't talked about Porthos, the dog. Oh, Captain Archer's Beagle, okay, yes. Yeah, so when when they have that little translation um, snafu, when Archer does, and they start... Yes. Um, so right when he says that, he says something about his dog. And that's what made me think of it, because I'm like, he just said to her um, something about, like, my dog up on the... or, or whatever, uh, and, and I was like, she doesn't know what a dog is. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, mm-hmm, another planet, mm-hmm, and that's what made me think of it. Well, maybe, maybe when they translated it, it just translated into pet or something generic or whatever. Yeah, but that gave me the idea to talk about Porthos because okay, yeah, Porthos is obviously there all the time, but he doesn't he actually is? make an appearance on the screen. 
like maybe in three episodes thus far he does he's not in every episode yeah no and you know obviously um with dog handlers on it on a tv uh show set you know it's a big deal it's a lot of different regulations and stuff so you know they got to keep the cost down so that's fine but we just know that he's there probably just chilling asleep in in archer's in archer's quarters whatever but like you said he's a beagle and uh, Porthos was actually played by three different dogs. Uh, initially, he's played by Prada, and then later by Breezy and Windy. Okay. Um, and so uh, the backstory is: I did look this up uh, else elsewhere, which is something I normally try not to do because I guess it's a spoiler, um, but it's fine; it's not a big deal. So, Porthos. Um, uh, Porthos were born from a female dog owned by the mother of one of Archer's ex-girlfriends. So, oh! Yeah, so I guess okay. when Archer was dating this lady, uh, he loved this dog. And then when that dog became pregnant, the ex-girlfriend okay. called Archer and was like, Hey, I have, I have a puppy. Do you want it? And he said, Absolutely. And that became his dog, Porthos. And he, of okay. course, he, right. he brought his dog into space. Yeah. Um cute dog cute little beagle obviously porthos named after a character from uh, three musketeers which i looked up um who in turn porthos from that from three musketeers the novel was uh named after a real a real musketeer isaac yes. de porthow yes which i thought was kind of cool anyway two steps forward um porthos doesn't actually make an appearance in this show he's just that one mention when he's conversing with with rion so yeah so we don't have to we don't have to bring him up again (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so okay so they um how do they get into the door jason how do they get into the door in the antique shop that was impenetrable supposedly and then all all of a sudden they're able to enter the door they're able to sneak in and um basically go go figure out what's going on in the shop uh they follow a delivery they, man into yeah, the they forest follow the delivery man right yeah so um when actually that porthos conversation happens uh it's in an alleyway because archer and rian are waiting kind of in the shadows in an alley and a deli- right. delivery man comes in the yes. middle of the night to pick up whatever's going on there they follow him out into like the woods and it's another one of these sort of uh alien re- uh references because he places this like crate out there and then like a out of nowhere this like light tractor beam kind of beams down and uh pulls up uh whatever whatever's in those boxes up to some ship um and and then they end up attacking that guy um and uh they they just stun him but it turns out he's like wearing a mask so we sort of see what uh the malorians look like they're just kind of scaly humanoids mm-hmm. which is a common thing in in this uh series i'm learning jason just a lot of sc- yeah. scaly skinned humanoids yeah but um well so that that enables them to get into the shop um because you you know for whatever reason um you know they they get from that guy that they stunned 
um, they go they go into the shop they go uh, through the door and they they basically find out that Garros is mining a uh, viridium isotope which is yes. used in weapons and he freely admitted uh, that he is Malorian and what they were doing uh, that he was part of a a survey mission yeah mm-hmm. and the power source is just uh it was a fabrication unit to provide uh for food and clothing is that correct is that, is, he, that is my memory serving me correctly th- that was his yeah. story that was his front yeah his front to them was when they first confronted him um before before the they go into the forest and the tractor beam and everything when they first confront him he says, oh, there's just a fabrication yeah. device that I use to yeah. to create food and clothing. And they're like, uh, are you creating food and clothing for like a million people? It's just you, buddy. Right. You don't you don't need like whatever is back there is massive. Um, so I think that was just his front. I think it was actually being used uh, just as part of the mining operation. Like it was powering the whole mining operation. Right, because T'Pol later confirms it that it was be- that that substance is being used for explosive devices the the substance they're mining is and then yes and then yeah. so then the substance that's making people sick is just a byproduct is the byproduct right yep. um it's yeah and in uh it, it was a an industrial lubricant if i remember correctly exactly tetracyanate 622 wow Okay. Did you pull that from memory, or did you look that up? <laughs> uh, I pulled that one. I remembered that one. Wow. Okay. It's impressive, buddy. Um, so, so they fi- figure out. Okay, this guy is exploiting um, the Earth for this. Mm-hmm. He's making weapons. It's just bad on top of bad on top of bad. He's making people sick. Yep. So they're like, "How are we gonna? How, how are we gonna get this guy?" Th- there's some drama. Um, the you know the Garros guy catches Archer uh, and and Rion kind of in his his uh, space, kind of locks them in. There's like a gun battle. Um, Archer then sort of uh, hails the Enterprise and they come up with a plan basically where um, they're going to use the uh, the uh, transporter to pull this reactor up, um, and obviously that'll ruin the mining operation. Yeah. So down on the surface, there's like a gun battle, um, which uh, Archer basically wins. Um, so Archer and Rion win. Uh, they they outsmart these Malorians, and then uh, to Paul, because Archer's down on the surface, to Paul's in charge up there. She, mm-hmm. uh, her, and and the crew they they um, transport this uh, this reactor up uh, into the Enterprise, and at the same time a Malorian ship comes and this ship is like armed to the teeth, you know, so they're mining this, uh, Viridium isotope, uh, which is made, which is used for weapons. And the ship is just full of weapons. They're, they're able, they're able to sense it when the ship comes upon them. And it looks like it's actually bigger than the enterprise too. Yes. Um, and so Garros, um, basically says that to Archer, like, uh, my ship's coming, like you guys are screwed yeah basically yeah and so right basically when this ship comes on the enterprise it just starts firing on them and causes pretty major damage um that's when t'pol gets this idea uh they they fire some shots but it has a shield this malarian um 
Malorian ship has has a shield. So these uh, yeah. these shots that the Enterprise fires don't doesn't do anything. T'Pol gets an idea. When, so when they transport the uh, reactor up, she, she then transports it out into space yeah. near this ship, and then they fire uh, two two photons at it, and they blow it up, and that disables yeah. the shield. Um, yeah. And so that that gets them basically off their back. And Archer basically explains that, and and also overpowers Garros down on the surface and says, "We destroyed your reactor. We disabled your ship, or we could destroy your ship if we want. You're you're beaten. Get right. get out of here." So Archer basically lets the guy go, but tells him you need to leave. So the guy right. does. The guy himself gets transported away. Um, and then the ship leaves, and and then later on they say something to the effect of the Vulcans will uh, will monitor the area to make sure that these Malorians yeah. don't come back. So when T'Pol was in charge up there, and she was uh, firing and doing all this, uh, y- you know, they're doing um, engaging with this Malorian ship. She, she has like a, a twinkle in her eye, like she's enjoying it. Um, she's, uh, and, and then like when, when they shoot the reactor out there, she almost smiles. Yes. So that was the second time when she was just kind of like, whoa, to Paul, I feel like you're, uh, yes, <laughs> you're a little aggressive here. She's becoming more and more human. <laughs> and it, that could have been just the, a choice that the actor made. Um, cause it was very subtle. It was almost like a smirk. You know what I'm saying, and I don't know yep. if she was directed to smirk, but it was there. Like it could, but but you could tell she was like excited to be like fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was verging on unVulcan, but it was it was verging on unVulcan. <laughs> it was it was cracking a little emotion there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, you know that. One thing also was this was the first um, sort of like love inter- interest for Archer. Um, yes, because they share a kiss. They share that because kiss. He and Rion share a kiss at the end. Right, and so um, unfortunately, uh, Rion does not go on the Enterprise. Does not leave with him. No. Um, I'm sure they they would have had a great relationship, but. You know, he's a captain of the Enterprise. I'm sure he's a sought-after commodity. I'm sure he'll have many uh, dalliances <laughs> in the future. So we'll have to see. The The interesting thing, just to kind of round out, yeah. round off the episode, uh, is that Rian sees Garros being transported off. Right. The planet. Mm-hmm. And... He and Captain Archer gives Rian the treatment for the radiation poisoning that the that the um, inhabitants or the civil that the the society is the inflicted mm-hmm. society the inflicted population right. And he, in the end, if you remember, if you recall, he kind of explained or tells her that it would be kind of best. <laughs> To kind of keep it, to kind of keep all the things that she had seen to herself. 
Right. Which kind of ri- which kind of rounds us back to the beginning of the episode where they're not supposed to be there, right? Because they're you know they have advanced technologies and they don't want to interfere and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they so he kind of circles back to it mm-hmm. and says you know kind of keep this on the down low, right? Or keep it to yourself. So which was interesting. And unfortunately. Um, Fortunately, she's like an intelligent person. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. she gets it. She goes, uh, "Who's gonna believe me?" Right. Whereas, like, if she had been, you know, like a dumbass who who was right. ab- abducted in the cornfield, like, right. you know, like, um, would go blabbering about it at, you know, in, in town, and then no one believes. It, they just assume you're crazy because you're just like saying right. craziness. You know, I thought that was a nice little touch like um it seemed to be more more of kind of this like alien abduction uh motif that they played with this in this episode where it was like you know um people can't handle this this uncertainty so you have to be careful with it you know yeah (laughs) so um yeah so that's pretty much it man yes anything else you want to talk about with this uh, episode um I, like I said, um, I I don't know if I said this before, but before we started uh, the pod the podcast, um, like I said, this was a, one of those episodes where it reminds me of like this is kind this is why this is partially why I'm a Star Trek fan. Uh, you know, the uncovering of this secret you know, exploitation of a planet and, and it's causing uh, disease and people getting sick and things of that nature. And and that's one of the reasons why I love the franchise. Is one of the reasons I'm a big fan of the franchise. Yeah, I hear you. I would sort of echo that as well. And also, I, I just love the world building. Um, I think they've just done such a good job. Yeah, I agree. Of world building um and particularly like you know with like the plot holes and stuff that they they end up resolving themselves and yeah. that, it just shows just how much thought and, and care went into this show so i'm enjoying it very much and i was yeah i was saying before we started recording how much i look forward to watching this every week because yeah I, I think it's awesome so all right well all right with that um Live long and prosper, and... May the force be with you. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Thanks. Take care.